Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I was thinking about um, these two celebrations of the Feast of Tabernacles. The one took place at um, the dedication. The temple was amazing. It built this beautiful temple, Solomon's Temple. Israel was at its height in, in blessing under Solomon. It said that if you read through his stories, silver was so common that it lost its value. There's just too much of it. And everything was gold, 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 gold. The, the temple was loaded with golds. It was extravagance. Everyone say extravagant. It was over the top. And they, they brought in from that shabby tabernacle of Solomon's father, David, brought in the Ark of the Covenant into that, that beautiful, beautiful temple that they built. And in that, then the, the temple became even more precious by an infinite amount because the, the true wealth, the glory of the Lord came and filled the house of the Lord. Well, a thousand years later, that temple had been destroyed and, and Herod had built another temple for the Jews. It took him 46 years to build it. It wasn't even close to the one that they had lost. And... But that particular celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, probably about, depending on the way you view the calendar, was probably about 29 A.D. That celebration was attended by a special guest by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The glory came and visited Herod's temple. It was greater than the clouds. Jesus himself walked into the room. And he began to watch as they celebrated and sang their song, The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And sang Isaiah's song, With joy they'll draw waters from the wells of salvation. And began to pour the waters from the pool of Siloam out. And he stood and began to cry out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. That is the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. (laughs) <laughs> so it's awesome, awesome, awesome. But we're going to go back for just a few minutes to the psalm that David wrote. I love this, Psalm 136. If you ever get dry, you can go back and read this psalm a few times. Psalm 136. I'll read the first four verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. For his mercy endures forever. These are the first four verses, four times he goes through it. Oh, it's give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. They were thanking God. They were thanking God as they as they dedicated that temple that day, it's Solomon's celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. As they, as they dedicated this beautiful temple, they were thanking God for their heritage. God had delivered them, oh, for, for a thousand years at this point. He delivered them from the Egyptians and delivered them from enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. And now they were there in this place. They were thanking God for their heritage as the children of God. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. You and I need to thank the Lord for our spiritual heritage every day of our life. We need to thank Him that He brought us out of whatever pit we were in. 
hundreds of years ago and a few years ago when we dug our own pits of grime that we were in. But he brought us out. He brought us out of our Egypt and he washed us off. And he brought us in and he brought us into his his people. He brought us to be part of his house, his people, his church. And though this place might be not glorious like Solomon's temple was, but the cloud of his glory is here in this house. The true value of this church is when the glory comes and fills us and fills us again and again and again. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good. This is our heritage. I am. So blessed and happy to say that God called me when I was 26 years old to be pastor here in New Orleans. I'm so grateful that he's kept me here all of these years. I'm now 70 years old. He's kept me all of these years and he's protected me. He's delivered me. He's provided for me and our congregation all these years. All I can say is give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. That's my story. But you have a story too. You have a story too. Part of it's your own and part of it, part of it is part of this house. This Thanksgiving, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His mercy endures forever. They were celebrating their deliverance from Egypt. Verse 13 through 15 in Psalm 36. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. For his mercy endures forever. What kind of enemies came and attacked your life? Oh yeah, the enemy's been after your seed for hundreds of years. But he can't get it. You're still here. Despite all the odds, you're still here. Your, your dad could have died somewhere in Europe. Your, your great-great-grandfather could have died in Africa or somewhere in South America or whatever. But he didn't. And you're here. God provided a time for you to be here. This is your moment of moments. Oh yeah, and in this life somehow, some way, you fell into a cesspool of sin at some point, And you had snares tied around your neck. But the Lord came through the Word of God and brought you out of a horrible pit. And put your feet on a rock. And delivered you from the Egyptians. And delivered you from the snakes and all the turmoil that's in the world. And he washed you clean. He put a new song in your mouth and in your heart. So you can sing with his triumphant church. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's who we are. That's who you are. That's my identity. So yeah, back to the, to, to the substance of David's song. It sounds like a simple little song, but it's deeper than an ocean. This is how it starts again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. This psalm has the fragrance of the supernatural upon it. It was written as part of the continuous Davidic worship used in the tabernacle of David. Whether David wrote it or one of the anointed psalmists did, it reverberates with the power of God that resided in that old tent. 
Solomon had the Levites, the singers and the musicians play this song as they brought the ark to the temple on the day of the temple dedication. It was in conjunction with the celebration of joy, the Feast of Tabernacles. As they brought the ark into the temple, they sang the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The house of the Lord was filled with the cloud of God's presence. Do you believe that happens? Come on. Do you believe that happens? Well, if the cloud was there under a covenant ratified by animal bloods, how much more, how much more today we have a new and better covenant ratified and guaranteed by the precious blood of the only Son of God? How much more do we have access to the cloud of His presence in this generation? The priests couldn't stay on their feet in the midst of that glory. They couldn't. They couldn't stay on their feet. You read on two chapters later, as Solomon began, began to pray and the fire fell, it says they couldn't even get into the building. They couldn't get in. It was like dense, and they couldn't get in. The priests couldn't stay on their feet in the midst of the glory. King Hezekiah also invoked this song when he, so Hezekiah, hundreds of years later, one of the sons and sons and sons of David, King Hezekiah. No, wait a second. I've got that wrong. That's Jehoshaphat. I've got Hezekiah's another one. I put it wrong here. I do that. I get my head and my things screwed up, screwed up sometimes. So this was Jehoshaphat. Everyone say Jehoshaphat. You've heard of great jumping Jehoshaphat, right? You know why he was jumping, don't you? Why was he jumping? The anointing was there on him. So rather than Hezekiah, and, and, and Jehoshaphat also invoked this song when attacked by the superior army in his day. He sent the worshipers out in front of the army singing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's what they were singing. The, the army couldn't stand up to the Moabites. They were much better armed and more of them. They couldn't, they couldn't fight them, but they sent the, the Levites and the singers out there dancing in their ephods and singing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the glory of the Lord fell and the army ran in terror. The Moabites. I believe it's true. I believe it happens. The result, the enemies were terrified by the presence of the Lord's. That went before them. They ran away in fear. And the battle was won by the Lord. Now Spurgeon describes this verse. I love this. Essentially, he says, the Lord is goodness itself. Practically, all that he does is good. Relatively, he is good to his creatures. Let us thank him that we've seen, proved, and tasted that he is good. He is good beyond all others. Indeed, he alone is good in the highest sense. He's the source of good, the good of all good, the sustainer of good, the perfecter of good, and the rewarder of good. For this, he deserves the constant gratitude of his people, for his mercy endures forever. We shall have this repeated in every verse of this song, but not once too often. It's the sweetest stanza that a man can sing. What joy that there is, what joy that there is in mercy, mercy with Jehovah, enduring mercy, mercy enduring forever. We are ever needing it, trying it, praying for it, receiving it. Therefore, let us forever sing of it. You put those two elements together and worship the Lord for his goodness and mercy. He will show himself in power and glory. He is good. His anointing is the emanation of his goodness. 
The anointing is the, is the manifestation of His nature. That's what it is. When you feel, when you feel His presence, that's the goodness of the Lord's. That's what that is. It's His eman, it's glory emanating from Him. The goodness of God. It's what emanating, emanated from Christ in His ministry. His goodness. How his goodness emanated in healing the, open, the eyes of the blind. His, his goodness emanated and drove demons out of terrifi- terrified people. His goodness emanated and caused paralyzed people to leap for joy. His goodness emanated and turned the fish and the loaves into a meal for thousands. Yeah, that glory emanated and turned water into wine. That glory is what emanated and touched and transformed your life. From what you were to what you're becoming. <clears throat> His mercy is eternal like Him. What is the outcome when we step into that place of worship? The glory of the Lord will fall on us. And fall on His house with glory. So yeah, Psalm 136.25. He gives food to all flesh. For His mercy endures forever. He's feeding everything. I talk about this all the time. He's feeding all the whales in the sea. He's feeding all the kangaroos in Australia. He's feeding all the nutria in Metairie. He's feeding, oh, he's feeding, he's feeding every kind of African animal, the African lions and the African hyenas. He's feeding all of them every day. His storehouse is loaded. He's feeding his enemies. His enemies are eating from his hands every day. But there's a day coming when it will stop. So, his mercy endures forever. Oh yeah, I've got to go to, go to this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Why would David use this phrase, his mercy, forever so many times? There are 26 verses in this psalm. This phrase is in every verse. If you consider the Lord, His nature is not like ours. Everything we do has limitations. Our talent has limitations. Our aging process cuts our lives on this earth short. Our patience tends to run run out. How about yours? Does your patience have limitations? The phrase I despise more than anything else is, thank you for your patience. Don't tell me that. Our intelligence, our intelligence is not comparable to the one that made us. Our intelligence has limitations. Our moral compass may steer us, but let's face it. All of us have sinned and have drunk from the wells of the sinful pleasures of this life. Every one of us. David was no exception, but he had also drunk deeply from the cup of mercy. Remember what David said after he sinned with Bathsheba and came to find mercy from the Lord? Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute his iniquity. David had tasted mercy and forgiveness. That's why he had to sing this song. To those who've tasted the mercy of the Lord in their own life, this repetition makes a lot of sense. Rather than reaping the harvest of our sin for eternity, we join in on this song. The Lord is good and his mercy is forever. This, that is heaven. The last verse in this psalm declares it. Oh, thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. This is our heaven. Goodness and mercy. I think we have more to be thankful for. 
Blessings to you and your family this Thanksgiving celebration. So we'll, let's go to this. This is the, the quote from the, the sermon that I've been talking about. 1735. 1735, it was in the midst, there was a horrible time to have, to try to raise crops in Massachusetts. But the Lord blessed them that particular year and they were blessed. He protected them for, there was wars that broken out with the French, with the English, and with the, with the Indian nations that were there. People were being taken into captivity. But in the midst of all, of all of that, God began to pour out His Spirit on a congregation at the edge of the frontier. They begin to experience what you and I have experienced. The outpouring of his tangible presence filled with joy unspeakable. God visited that 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 church and and, and many, many, many hundreds of people got saved in Northampton, including the, the teenagers, the young people, people that were, you know, skeptics, began to come to Christ. A life, lives were changed. And this is this is what they were talking about that Thanksgiving, that celebration. When so great and holy a God dwells among a people, he's not only able to supply them with all good, but he himself is the sum of all good. He's better than your turkey. He's better than your pumpkin pie. He's better than your best, best famous dish. He is the good. He is our feast. He is what we feast upon this Thanksgiving. Oh, the Lord is good. He's good and we, we eat of Him and we're sustained and satisfied for Him. He is enough for us. He's more than enough for us. God is theirs. It's ours. And therefore they are happy if they have nothing else. If all other things fail, the enjoyment of God is sufficient to make them completely happy. If everything else fails, because there may be a time in your world that it comes to that, He can make you happy regardless of any of those other failures. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. He's enough for me, no matter, no matter, no matter what. He's enough for me in the best of times, and He's enough for me in the worst of times. They that have God, they that have God for their portion... They have a sufficient portion. Such a people may well glory in their portion and make their boast in the Lord and say, the Lord is the portion of our inheritance and our cup. You know, in the nation of Israel, when they, they came in and, and they began to distribute, Joshua began to distribute the different lands to the different tribes. There was one of the tribes that didn't get any land. It was the tribe of Levi. They didn't get any land. They said, no, the the tribe of Levi does not get any land because the Lord is their portion. That's why. (laughs) Actually, we're all Levites because we're all leaving the land behind. It's all staying here. Whatever inheritance you have, it's staying here. Your wealthy aunt left you a billion dollars. You're leaving it when you die, too. You're dying when you go. But the Lord is my portion. Everyone say it. The Lord is my portion. (laughs) The lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. Whom have we in heaven but thee? And there's none upon earth that we desire besides thee. As we finish this morning, I'm going to read this one passage out of John 7. And this is really my introduction for tonight. Hope you make it. It's going to be awesome. John seven thirty seven through 39. On the last day, 
John 7, 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, Jesus, if you remember, he came incognito. His brothers tried to get him to go. His disciples tried to get him to go to the Feast of Tabernacles this year. And he said, no, I'm not going to go. And he went by himself. And he snuck in. And he was in the middle of all the thousands of people watching what was going on. He was watching the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple. They were pouring out the water. They were pouring out the wine. They were singing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They were singing with joy. They'll draw waters from the wells of salvation. He absolutely couldn't contain himself. I am that well. I am Jacob's well. I am the well of salvation. And then he, he stood in the midst of the crowd. In the middle of their service, he stood and began to cry out. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out in the temple. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If you read this in the original, it's very emphatic. He was screaming. It, the word that was used by John was like a, an animal croaking or screaming. He was screaming out loud the top of his lungs. Jesus, gentle Jesus, was shouting in the temple. If anyone is thirsty, he cried out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And this is his language. Let him come to me and drink continuously. Let him come to me and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. If anyone is thirsty on this Feast of Tabernacles, on this Thanksgiving celebration, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him come and drink. <laughs> and he, he believes in me as the scripture has said. Out of his heart, out of his belly, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water flowing out. It flows in and it has to flow out. It flows in, it's got to flow out. <laughs> so... Jesus. <laughs> this he spoke concerning the Spirit. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. At this time, when Jesus was before his crucifixion, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not Yet glorified. That's the key right there. That's the key. John gave us the key. He, at once he was glorified, the whole earth began to be inundated with the glory of the Lord. Today, Jesus is glorified. He's seated at the right end of glory. He's clothed with the glory of his father. The oil of his father's anointing is flowing over him and out of him, flowing out like a mighty river. His face is like the sun. His eyes are like lightning bolts. His hair white like wool. He's amazing. He's a man. And he's the son of God. He's the son of Mary. And he's the son of God. How could it be? This is who he is. Our God, our King, our brother, our Lord. Our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Our Savior. So, Lord, open my eyes. 
I want to be grateful, Lord. I don't want to have my eyes clouded with ingratitude. I don't want to have my eyes clouded, Lord God, with my offenses. Lord, I don't want to have my eyes clouded with other people's offenses. Lord, I want to see Jesus. Lord, I'm, I'm not, I, I know what, what is happening. I'm not saying those things were right at all. What Joseph's brothers did was not right. But Joseph couldn't stay a slave to their wrongdoings. He couldn't. Can you imagine if, if the, instead of getting filled with the Holy Ghost, the disciples were just offended because, because of Judas, offended because of the Romans, offended because of the priests, offended by the way they were mistreated. Instead, they had to let it go. They said, God, God meant it for good. God used these wicked people. And you know what? The, one of the amazing things, there's a little obscure verse in the book of Acts. You'd have to look it up. It talks about thousands and thousands of the priests. There was 20,000 priests at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. 20,000. Thousands and thousands of them came to Christ after his resurrection. Thousands of them. So, yeah, they were wicked, but they became forgiven like you and me. Just like you and me. Washed in his blood. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.